everyone. Uh, got a few people out today visiting family, and uh, it's just a blessing. We got Brother Dave Spurgeon in this morning. Uh, like he just said about Memorial Day, praying, Brother Combs. Uh, man, I, I was in the military 14 years, and I can't even tell you how thankful I am for a country we have. There's graves. There's graves over in Europe and, and places like that that uh, men never got back home because of what they did for us to be here today. And, boy, you tell me somebody gets ticked off. I get ticked off more than anything else to see people out there running this country down and running everything down when the blood of men and women was given for them to do that. Uh, but you know what ticks me off even more? I, I'm just going to get fired up a little bit today because I ain't going to preach today. Today's my day. I got a minute here or something like that. That's about it. Uh, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ gave his blood 2,000 years ago for me to be here today. And all the apostles and all pro prophets and everybody else since then, uh, I believe there's still prophets. I believe there's still, there ain't no apostles anymore. But, but I'm telling you what, I believe there's still men and women that, that gave their lives over the last 2,000 years for me to sit here today. And be in a church and still hear the word of God preach. I tell you what, it's just a blessing. I never want to forget that. I thank God for a King James Bible. Uh, you, and um, I was just down talking to my mom. By the way, my mom's doing good. She, they replaced half of it. I don't know how you replace half a hip joint. Uh, but they did. And, and uh, the doctor came out. I said it took about an hour. It used to take days to do kind of stuff that way. And now all of a sudden, they, in an hour, they go and zip, zip. I mean, it was almost like they pull it out of a bag, put it in. They're done. They're see you later. Bye. He told me that she could get up and walk. She's 90 years old. So she's going to have to uh, quit being a baby. That's my mom. That's my mom. My mom's a baby. Uh, she's going to have to quit being a baby and realize that, hey, she has to give up some things in life. It's about time you let your pride go, mom, but that's what I told her. Uh, and she's sitting in a hospital right now and debating some things. But uh, y'all pray that uh, she'll come up here and that Beth, Beth wants to take care of her. I want Beth to take care of her. I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, uh, you got to know my mom. I love my mom, but I'm telling you, she needs she needs help. And uh, if she was 35, 40, 50 years old, she could do it on her own, but she can't. And she's got to get up out of that bed and start moving around and, and doing what the doctors tell her to do. And she she's just stubborn as a mule. But it's amazing what modern technology can do. But that's a country we live in. And, brother, never forget what, ha what God has given you. Uh, so many times we let this world get on us and, and, and I mean, it'll just put the pressure on us. And we forget what the Lord gave. I, I was lost, undone, on my way to hell. And somehow he got the word of God into my heart. And I trusted Jesus Christ. And I got saved. And for 43 years, I've been trying my best to follow him in the steps that he led before me. And I, I don't want to forget one thing that ever happened to me back there. Because other people gave themselves for me to be here today. It wasn't just me. It never was just me. It was somebody else, man. I mean, somebody else gave their time and effort for me to be here. And today's Memorial Day is just not about our country. It's about what the Lord has done. It's about God. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'll shut up. Brother Dave, yes, I don't want to steal any of your time because Jerry's got a little bell over there. You are... <laughs> he does, man. I'm going to sneak over and get it. So you can <laughs> thank you, sir, and thank Amen. you for your service. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good morning. All right, my name's Dave Spurgeon. Some of you have known me a long time. Some of you are wondering why my wife and I have been hanging around. So keep wondering. Either way, today I'm the preacher. Take your Bible, go to 1 first, uh, first John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, it's Sunday school. That's the teaching time. I'm an evangelist. I'm not in that pastor and teacher group, but it does say, so the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men apt to teach. 
patient. That's not my best quality either, but, but one of these days I'm apt to. I'm not sure if it'll be today, but I'm going to give it a shot. First John chapter 5, let's look at a familiar verse, verse 13. All right. First John chapter 5, verse 13. You guys all stand up when reading the Bible. Is that what you do normally? That's not something I would require or request, but I, I'm a team player. Amen. Well, I noticed that. Now, and like I say, I'm a team player. That's good. And uh, we go to places they don't honor the Word of God by opening it. Uh, 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 no. So. Verse 13, it says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You may be seated. I felt so important right there for a second. I only have my wife to boss around, and that has never worked. I don't think it's going to work. My dog looks at me like, what? From here, passage, I didn't forget to pray. I'm just not there yet. So John wrote this thing. He said, these things have I written. And, and John, he wrote five books. Five books in the Bible. Of course, he wrote the Gospel of John. Amen. And he wrote, uh, he wrote three epistles, three letters, first, second, and third John. And, you know, then, you know, he wrote, you know, the book of Revelation. It's kind of important. Amen. And, uh, but John wasn't the only gospel writer, and you know that. And since we're teaching, I'll go over some things many of you already know. Matthew wrote a gospel, and he presented uh, uh, Jesus Christ as king, king of the Jews. He was a Jew. He wrote it for the Jews. His genealogy goes all the way back to uh, uh, Abraham in Matthew 1, 1, 1. That's important to the Jew. Amen. And then Mark, uh, Mark wrote uh, his gospel. And uh, that contains one of my favorite passages, the Maniac of Gadara. That's I like that one. Uh, Mark presents him as a servant, and uh, there's no genealogy because, like, who cares? Nobody cares about the genealogy of a servant. All a servant needs to do is do what he's told. Amen. But uh, I got thinking about Brother Bayano's message the other night on Barnabas, and if there's a referendum on Barnabas sticking by the stuff, it's that John Mark wrote the book of Mark. That's pretty impressive. Say, well, I don't think Mark wrote it. Who do you think wrote it? Marcus Aurelius? You know, come on. All right, and then you got uh, Luke. And Luke, uh, he presented uh, Jesus Christ as the son of man. And therefore, his genealogy in, in chapter 3 goes back to Adam, goes all the way back to Adam. He was as human as human can be on his mother's side. But the Gospel of John presents Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Amen. And uh, his genealogy goes all the way back to God himself. John chapter 1. Look over there real quick. John chapter 1 and uh, verse 1. And again, familiar stuff. I know your history, I know your preacher, I know your background. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I don't know what it takes to figure out that that means exactly what it says. I don't know why people struggle with that. I don't know how you can interpret that some other way. 
Uh, the only Greek word I know is baklava, and my wife won't allow it in the house. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, but right there, plain English, it says what it says. And it was written for primarily this reason right here, to convince, to convict, and to convert people to Jesus Christ. And John wrote some of the most profound verses in the entire Bible. And probably everybody can misquote. But to some degree, is familiar with John 3, 16, where, God, where the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. I had a guy say, I think you can lose your salvation. I looked up everlasting. It, it means everlasting. I went, really? What? He wrote John chapter 5 and verse 24, and, and John wrote this, quoting Jesus Christ, said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Are you saved in there this morning? Anybody? All right. Uh, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. It doesn't even end there. Thank God it says, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, I've only been saved 31 years. And uh, God sent somebody to a jail cell uh, uh, when I was 30. 37 years old. I'm really glad, amen, that he came after me because I never, I never darkened the door of a church except for a funeral. And there were a lot of them. And I didn't stay long enough to hear the gospel. I don't even remember if it was ever presented. Probably not. Amen. But I'm glad God found me and I'm glad I can remember where I was and I don't glory in it, but uh, it sure enough makes me thankful for where I am now. Amen. I'm with your preacher. I love my country. I'm a veteran. Amen. I'm not happy about a lot of things, but I'm real happy about the solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, so our job is to get the word out. Amen. Tell other people about him. Uh, John had a burden to let people know they could have eternal life. Somebody said, now what kind of genius comes up with this stuff? I don't know. A lot of people smarter than me. Somebody said, the book of John was written at the fourth grade level. How do you... I know 18-year-olds that don't read at a fourth grade level in this day and age. Amen. Here's your diploma. Good luck, you know. And here, send the check. I wonder why are so many jobs available? And somebody said, well, because there's so many, so many people that are getting money from the government, checks from the government. I said, well, how do I get my address to that group? I don't, I don't get any check. They just want money from me, amen. Probably fair. I didn't pay taxes for 20 years. And uh, when I got saved, I started paying taxes. Is this life dream? Because I started paying. <laughs> and I kept waiting for the IRS to say, where were you between 1974 and, and 19... And I was going to honestly say, I don't recall. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> Amen. <coughs> All right. Uh, go back to First John chapter 5. I'm going to pray. I know you're nervous. Relax. 1 John chapter 5, look with me in verse 10. And the Bible says this, uh, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not, it, look what it says, the record. The record that God gave of his Son. And as a born-again child of God, you have the record, the witness of God. You have the witness of God within yourself, and there's evidence to it. 
according to Matthew chapter 7, and wherefore, by their fruits, uh, they sh- you shall know them. And I, again, I'm a rightly divider. I get all that. But I, let me just say the fruit of the witness of God is not a suit and a haircut. And I'm not against that stuff. Believe me. Amen. But uh, I'll tell you what, there are churches all over America that are full of people dressed better than we are, and it don't mean a thing. Amen. Uh, there's fruit for a child of God. And uh, verse 11, now we're in 1 John 5, still, verse 11. Now verse 10 referred uh, to the record, and here it says in verse 11, and this is the record. Okay, this isn't spooky. You don't have to go to the original manuscripts. It's right there. Uh, and this is the record that God hath given uh, to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the life, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's pretty, pretty clear. I like that. I need it like that. I need it right down there where the kids can reach it. Amen? And uh, that's pretty straight. Verse 13 again, these things, and we just read them now. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, uh, that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, if you do much personal work, and I hope you do, and uh, you're going to find out that many believe, oh, well, they don't, not only do they not know, I mean, you talk to people, say, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Things like that. Well, I hope so. I think so. I pray so. All that. But they don't know. And the Bible says you can know. But there are people that will, uh, again, say it's impossible to know. It's impossible to know for sure. You just, uh, you know, you put your faith and trust in what he did on the cross and hope that gets you through. I'm thinking, what pamphlet did you read for that? Because yeah. that's not what the Bible says. Amen. And so John 8, 32, and a verse that I love for many reasons and use often, it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And uh, religion, on the other hand, doesn't make you free. Uh, religion wants to dangle you over hell so that they can get what they want from you. And I didn't get any of that. And uh, nobody brought that to me, and I wouldn't have swallowed it if they did. And 31 years later, been in church, been uh, in evangelism 25 years, and uh, I don't have any religion now either. <laughs> but I got eternal life, boy, because I got the sun. Amen. And so uh, I just want to say this before I move on, wondering if some word or, or thought or deed had cost me my place in heaven. Uh, that's not freedom. That's bondage, man. That's bondage. Amen. And that's not what Jesus Christ does. He gets you out of bondage. So it said there in verse 13, these things have I written unto you. And so what we want to look at today are what those things are. I mean, in and of itself, just memorize in verse 13, yet you can know. But it says these things, so it's referring to something. So we're not, and there's a lot of things, but we're not going to go any farther than this epistle. And so go back to chapter 2 and look with me in verse 3. These things, we're going to look at the things, and now I'm going to pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you for great grace. I thank you for the freedom that we have here, and I ask you to forgive me for taking it for granted at times. And I thank you, Lord God, for the gospel that's still going out of this country, and I help, pray it would continue so, to do so until you're done. I know judgment's coming, but uh, I hope I'm in heaven when it does, one way or the other. 
Father, but today, uh, you're interested in today. Help us today to, to gather around your word, Lord God, to listen with our ears and our hearts to what the Holy Spirit might say. Let me say something that'll make some sense matter in some way to you. Put a smile on your face. I love you, Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed to say that. Pray now you just meet with us. I don't know the needs of very many people in here, uh, but you know every, every need, every detail. And I pray, God, that we'd allow you to meet them. Speak to us as only you can, and we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. First uh, John chapter 2 and verse number 3. And the word of God says this, And hereby do we know that we know him. Now, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about knowing some things. We're talking about knowing you have eternal life. And he says, uh, and hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. <coughs> now, just be honest. It almost makes it sound like you can lose your salvation if you break one. Amen. And that's what's tricky about 1 John or the, the epistles there. Because uh, some of this stuff is trib, man. And some of these things, uh, some of these things, I, I'm glad I don't have to worry about. I'll just leave it there. We'll be here for two hours. And you'll be mad because the food will be, you know, in here by then. And amen. But uh, there's people that interpret that verse and other verses that way. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, so in other words, if you break commandment, you lie, you tell a lie, you cheat, you steal. Amen. You kill somebody. You lost it, man. You lost it. And uh, and uh, you're not saved anymore. People will tell you that. I got relatives, uh, good people, fine people, saved people. Uh, but they don't read that book right. And, uh, but what about other sins? I mean, what about the ones, I mean, we all got our list of the real serious ones. What about 1 Peter 4 and verse 15 that says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, there's a big one, or as a thief, or as an evildoer. Well, those are serious now. Uh, or, or as a busybody in other men's matters. In God's economy, sticking your nose in somebody else's business is right up there. Amen. God puts more emphasis on it than you do. And I'm just throwing that out there so that you can be uh, real careful about social media. Because if there's a temptation, it's to stick your nose in other people's business. It happens all the time. That'd be a good place for an amen. amen. Good. Amen. All right. So, uh. But gossiping's a sin. Uh, so in discord among the brethren is an abomination to God. Proverbs chapter 6. I mean, isn't that a big deal? So those little snide comments. Oh, well, I think maybe. Really? You better shut your mouth. Well, I'm talking to myself, too. I've been guilty of it. And we better not do that because, uh, well... If, if, if some people interpreted that right, you'd have lost your salvation over it. I would have too. Thank God we don't. Yeah, amen. amen. What about dishonoring parents? That's a bigger deal than people give it credit to be. But there's a curse that goes along. There's a promise, but the antithesis of every promise is a curse. That it may be well with thee. I know some people today that it's not well with them because they didn't heed that verse. And I'm saying that to tell you, don't be guilty of that. Don't be guilty of that. It's a sin. Yeah, you won't lose your salvation. But, uh, boy, you can lose a lot. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, here's how about this one. Uh, 
for you ladies, uh, or men and ladies, I shouldn't have said that probably. Matthew 5, 28 says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery. There you go, men. And then it says, with her. With her already in his heart. Uh, talk about a two-edged sword right there. So I want to say this. Uh, ladies, men are dogs, okay? We confess. And I'm just telling you, you can't tr control how they think. But uh, I'm here to tell you that if, you, if the way you dress incites lust in a man, uh, you're guilty too. You say, well, well, what do you mean? You know exactly what I mean. Amen. That attire, that harlot had one purpose, and it was to draw attention to her body. And that's what them fag hot. Are you allowed to say that here? <laughs> kind of late. That's what that, all them Hollywood designers and all that, that's what all that's about, is how to attract attention to your body. Brother Eastep, I heard him say this down at Mount Airy one time. He said, ladies, if it ain't for sale, uh, quit advertising it. <laughs> I'm a brand new Christian. I went, gee, that's so deep. I think I got it, though. I think I got it. Amen. Now, I want to say this, too. In my honest opinion, it shouldn't be the preacher's job to tell you that. Absolutely not. But since husbands and dads aren't, somebody's got to. I think that's personal. Yeah, I think your testimony is more important than you give it credit to me, too. Amen. Hold on. I'll show you what I learned on the road. Amen, Brother Spurgeon. <laughs> We're, we, go, we amen ourselves. That's okay. All right. <laughs> uh, let's face it. If you could lose your salvation, you would. You would. Amen. Uh, I had a preacher one time say, stand up, tell us everything God did for you. Take three minutes. I said, I couldn't tell you everything God done for me, including forgiving me. Uh, uh, I couldn't tell you everything he's done in, in three minutes. What he's done today in three minutes. Okay, I messed that one up. Okay, bear with me. But I do want to say this. If you can lose your salvation, I'm saved by grace through faith. I mean, according. But maybe there's some people that are saved, saved by grease, you know, because they're always slipping in and out of the body. Of, get it? Okay. Right, just like that. <laughs> when I'm gone, you can explain that to him, Brother Mike. Uh, but thank God you don't lose your salvation when you sin. How about that? Is that a good place? Okay, good. First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, My little children, these things, there we go, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Now, that's my advice, sin not. That's my advice in the bathroom mirror, sin not. But it says, the verse goes down and says, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Amen. Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. I'm glad of that. That verse said there, verse 3 said this, and hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Look at that word, keep. You know what keep means? It means to highly regard. How many of you ever heard the term keepsake? I remember growing up, there was a place, there's keepsake diamonds. I, I never could afford to look at one or I don't know what they... But a keepsake is something that you treasure. I got stuff that was passed down uh, when my parents went on to be of the Lord, my sister wanted the car and the big screen TV, and I got my grandfather's watch and, and some furniture. I still got that stuff, the car and TV are in a junk pile. 
Amen. And they're not on the cutting edge of fashion or anything, but they mean something to me because of where they came from. And that book ought to mean something to you and I because of where it came from. So when it says keep his commandments, I submit to you that it could mean that you value them. Uh, I tell you what, they're pretty important uh, when uh, uh, John 666 coincidental, I'm sure. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus said to the 12, uh, will ye also go away? And Peter, he answered a lot. And sometimes he hit the nail right on the head. And he said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Amen. That's pretty, pretty valuable, pretty important. It doesn't mean if you're really saved, you're never going to mess up. I hope it don't mean that. It doesn't mean if you're really saved, you've never broken any of them. Amen. Uh, it, it says in 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 5, we're in 1 John 2, look at verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. You know, if we were to hear somebody say, I don't care what the Bible says. Uh, we gasp. Amen. But what's the difference between saying that and then, and then claiming to believe that Bible and not doing what it says, not practicing it? Always coming up with a reason why, well, that doesn't apply to me. Why don't you just say it? You don't believe it. Amen. You do well to believe it. You do well to keep it. And when you violate it, you do well to get that thing right. Amen. 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 This is, is this teaching? Because I'm kind of more of a, I know you're supposed to like not raise your voice. I only have, I do not have an inside voice. I was in the bus one time whispering to mom about, about a birthday present for the girl. They, we're in a Greyhound bus. She's 30 feet away. I mean, that was pretty far. And uh, I said, and when I come out, come out of the back, she's got this big grin on her face. What are you smiling about? She said, oh, I heard what you said. I said, how did you hear me? I was whispering. And she looked at me and said, Dad, you can't whisper. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, all right. And, uh, but I'm telling you what, a uh, lost and dying world sure enough needs somebody to keep his commandments. Amen. Amen. All right, 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 23. I'll give you another one. Nobody told me what time to stop, and it's too late now. Too late? I'm going to, no, it's not too late. <laughs> 1 John chapter 2 and verse 23 says, uh, Whosoever denieth the Son... The same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son uh, hath the Father also. So let me just say, you know this, believing in God is not salvation. It's not. James chapter 2 and verse uh, 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God. A lot of people tell you that. It says, uh, uh, let me see, Thou doest well, thy devils also believe. And tremble. Uh, you got to witness people say, I believe in God. There ain't no trembling going on. They're more worried about who's going to win the next ball game than they are worried about God. So that means believing in God uh, just makes you smarter than an atheist. <laughs> That's all. The uh, Bible says a fool has said in his heart, in Psalm 14 and 51 both, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, uh, so, so I believe in God. Well, okay, now you're smarter than atheists, but that don't make you smarter than a devil. Amen. Let that sink in. 
Jesus Christ said in John 14, we like to quote those passages there about the mansion and all that. Uh, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him. The context is Jesus Christ, God raised from the dead. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. We're talking about uh, the thing that you can know uh, uh, that you belong to him, that you have eternal life, is that you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. It says, he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. I preached in northern Kentucky in a maximum security uh, facility down there. And I, I allowed to say prison because nowadays they're like academies, you know. Oh, my son was at the uh, Sago Palms Academy. It's a prison! Well, Brother Barry knows about that. Amen. <coughs> And uh, <coughs> so what I'm saying is this. I give an invitation. There's about 18 kids in there. Then we usually get somebody to get saved. And I'll get head bowed and eyes closed, you know. I don't know where that came from, but, you know. Uh, I said, all right, now, if you've never done this before, you never, you know, I'm not, we're not playing church today. But if you truly would admit within your heart that you're a sinner and you'd like Jesus Christ to forgive you, save you, blah, 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 uh, raise your hand. And so, you know, I got about 12 hands, everybody's about 12 hands out of 18. And a couple of them, 18, were already saved, I mean, from previous services. And uh, they raise their hand. They raise it. Sometimes they peek over to see if their buddy's going to raise, kind of like you guys doing church sometimes. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so then I said, okay, okay, put your hands down. And um, they put their hands down. I said, okay, now if you, if you raise your hand, if you pray and you raise your hand, you mind it. Stand up. And no heads bowed. Everybody's looking around. And you know, they, none of them moved then. They're all looking at their friends. And, uh, and finally one guy, he stood up, and another one, and another one. And that's how, that's a human thing. I get that. And, uh, and, uh, but about nine of them finally made it up. And some of them didn't. And I said this to him. I said, let me tell you something, pal. I said, if you really comprehend what Jesus Christ did on the cross to make a way for your sins to be forgiven, and, and you ask Jesus Christ to save you, you wouldn't have any problem standing up. And if you're afraid to stand up amongst these other guys that are also professing to be saved, if you're afraid to stand up, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for any prayer you ever prayed. You say, but Brother Spurgeon, that's not very kind. No, but it's straight. I'm going to tell you what, these things have I written unto you. And one of the things is you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, these days, this verse applies to many, and I get around a little bit. Titus 1 and 16 says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. And in works they deny. What does that mean? That means your walk doesn't match your talk. There's a lot of Christians in America on Sunday, but you couldn't tell it on Monday. And I'll tell you what, the reason I hitched my wagon to this crowd, other than some other obvious things like God forced me into, no, um, is because uh, I was taught from, I mean, from day one, from first church service, December 23rd, 1991, that you live it seven days a week. And I'm looking, and these guys are wacko fanatics. And I'm looking around, and I'm seeing people that took that thing to heart. And I started watching. Brother Lynch was there. Uh, Brother Rife was there. 
Who else? Who else? Tom Combs would have been there, only he was down in Kentucky living at every single night. Good examples. Yeah. Amen. And uh, I'm glad. I tell you what, I learned a lot of things I don't know, but I know I'm saved. Because he said these things. He that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. And uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. If you're saved in here today, you got in on the everyone clause, <laughs> the whosoever clause of John 3, 16. I'm thankful for it. Number three, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 29. And John wrote this. Now we're talking about these things. And he says, if you know that he is righteous, is he? Is he? I know when your preacher throws out a question, you're almost afraid to answer because sometimes they set you up. I hate it when they do that. I ain't smart enough to do that. Don't worry about that. Uh, you know, it, okay, I'll start over. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That's how we're talking about knowing that you belong to him, knowing that you have eternal life because you believed on him. There's some evidence. There's the thing. Amen. So let me say this. If you're saved in here, there's something inside of you. Of course, he has a name, doesn't he? A Holy Spirit of God inside of you wants to do right. Now, I'll be the first to admit your flesh very often is not interested in doing right at all. Flesh is interested in what? Pleasing itself. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, uh, Paul told him, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And the reason they had to say that to a bunch of born-again Christians in an in a independent New, New Testament church, saved by grace, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> the reason they had to say that is because every one of us, it was true then, it's true now. Every one of us are still in a flesh that has no interest in setting its affections on things it can't see. Laying up treasure in heaven. The flesh is concerned with, let me just, for sake of illustration, say, Five things. What are they, Brother Spurgeon? Seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. How many remember the five senses from health class? Oh, we're in trouble. None of you? Those are, that's what the flesh is concerned with, itself and only itself, gratifying itself. And no, uh, we got to make an effort. Amen. And so the flesh isn't always interested in doing right, but, you know, conversely, the Holy Spirit is always interested in doing right. And he help you. Uh, before I got saved, my motivation for doing right was either, was either uh, some personal benefit to me, uh, amen, or, or, or fear of getting caught, which, you know, I should have had more of that. Not really. Getting caught was the best thing ever happened to me. Second best. Second best. Best thing happened a month later. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, but those were my motivations. And, 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 but now, for the last 31 years, uh, uh, and not automatically, but as I get in this Bible and hang around other Christians, I want to do right. I, I want to do right. I fail to. I fail sometimes. But I want to. There's something in me that wants to. And I've noticed that if you really want to, you'll have more help than you comprehend. And you don't need to Google it. And you don't need a book on it. 
You submit yourself to the Spirit of God, and it is amazing the resource that's at your fingertips. Amen. Amen. And so uh, uh, let me ask you, what motivates you to do right? Here you are on Sunday morning and pretty good crew for Sunday school. And, and uh, you know, I give you credit for all that. And I don't detect any weird spirits, but I'm asking you. Listen, there's millions of Americans in church this morning. And a whole, mo the majority of them ain't even saved. And they don't even know it. I'm not even going to hold that to their account. Let's go out and win them. But I'm asking you this morning, what motivates you to do right? Amen? <laughs> How it makes you look? What do you do when nobody's around? Do you ever believe there's a day where the Lord doesn't see what's going on? The eyes of the Lord in every place behold the evil and the good. Amen? Amen? And, uh, you know, sometimes a great motivator to do right is fear of getting caught. And again, in God's economy, you're already caught. Amen. And don't take, uh, don't take, well, the Bible says you reap what you sow, uh, but I'm not, I'm not reaping yet. God is incredibly merciful and long-suffering, but boy, don't you, you take it for granted, the hammer will come down, and that's not what God wants. It amazes me that I have seen God give people chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. It's crying shame. I don't want to be that guy. I used to be a hard-headed guy. I got saved. I admit I'm a knucklehead. I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I need Jesus Christ. And he, everything I just said, he's up there going, amen, 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 amen. You got me. You hear me? All right. John 16, verse 8, uh, it says, And when he, and the context is the comforter, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's a blessing. If you're saved, then your Holy Spirit's inside of you. Yeah, amen. amen. He ain't leaving. Amen. You, can, you can grieve him. You can quench him. You can drown him out with sin. Or you can drown him out with activity in your life. But he ain't, you can't run him off. Amen. And if you want to do right, he'll, help. he'll not only let you, he'll help you. And the Bible says everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Listen, all Christians struggle with the flesh. That's why Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, the flesh lusteth. That's serious. Lusteth against the flesh, and against the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary one or the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. And that's just, I wish it wasn't so, but it's so. And let me say this. If that struggle ain't going on within you, it's because the spirit's missing. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and uh, amen. But if, uh, and if you never seem to want to do right, but I'm a good person. If you don't ever want to do right for the right reason, and you might be the best person in the community, but I tell you what, I'd be worried about where you're going to spend eternity. Yeah. Amen. amen. And uh, so here's where I say last of all, and it usually gets an amen when nothing else does. Amen. <laughs> From the preacher? Really? Okay. <laughs> What a team player. No, yeah, amen. First John chapter 3 and verse 14. <coughs> now, Paul, uh, John wrote some things so that he could know. And here's one of them, the last one. Uh, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So let me just say, 
I would have never pictured me, Dave Spurgeon, fitting in with this crowd. Just to be honest, I come from a little different background than some of you, and I would have never in a million years, I mean, just seen, let alone all this, I never would have never. Amen. So if I ever, the devil gets in my ear and I start to doubt my salvation, you know what I do? I look around. I look at you. And I'm in church just about every day. Uh, I look around because, to be honest with you, and I've been some places, there is no crowd I'd rather be with. Amen. People that have comprehended who he is and what he did. Believe that book. Listen, I, I spent 20 years of my adult life uh, uh, on an adventure quest. And the most amazing thing I've ever seen and now my 69 years is what God will do on a regular basis if you'll let him. Amen. Amen. And that includes, when Jesus said you must be born again, I think I must be, man, because uh, there's no crowd I'd rather be with. Amen. And uh, say, what do you mean? And I'll, and I'll try to land this plane. You ever heard a preacher say that? I'm going to land the plane. I thought, I was a paratrooper. I don't know how to land a plane, so I'll just jump out somewhere, okay? <laughs> and it, it says in, uh, let me see, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Boy, ain't that the truth. Yeah. Amen. I appreciate some of the things Donald Trump did. I appreciate his love for America, but every time he started bragging on himself, I'm going, my goodness. Oh, did I quench the spirit there? Good, good, good. I'd vote for him again if he's the one they put up there. But I'd vote for Donald Duck if that's who they put up there. I don't care. Amen. I know I went political. Now I'm, now I'm dead. Here's what I need. Most men will proclaim everyone is on good. You know what I need? You know what I want? You know what I need? I need to be around people that proclaim that Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to them. To remind me. That book says iron sharpeneth iron. And so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Beloved, we need each other. We do. We need each other. Amen. And uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. People claim to be saved, but never or very rarely, you know, Christmas and Easter type of thing, never go to church. I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand. I, I, can't, I can't see their heart, but I'm not that kind of guy. Whatever I got involved in, I got in all the way. I'm glad I got in this all the way. And I'm not, it ain't because of me, I'm spiritual. God just put me around a bunch of folks that got in all the way. I said, whoa, that looks like a good idea. And you're in a place where people are in. I've known some of these folks in this room over 25 years. Amen. And I commend you for your faithfulness. Amen. I hope you feel the same way about us. Amen. Amen. And, uh, but I don't understand that. I don't understand why people come in, punch the clock. You know, I threatened one church I preached at. I said, I'm going to get a time clock. And put in the foyer for you guys, and you can when you come, you can click, click, and and then click, click on your way out, and then maybe show your time card at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know what the deal is, because doesn't act like they want to be around God's people. I've been here a few times visiting this month, and uh, you know the sign of a healthy church is people like to hang around. Man, you guys hang around at 9:30. I hang out with you. Watch, Amen. That's a good thing, isn't it? A good thing. You love the brethren, like being around the brethren. Listen, I think people that, I'm with Brother Mike, uh, 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 I think people that everything they got to say is negative, whether it's about America or other, other, uh, other uh, Christians, I think that's a mental disorder, I've just come to realize. 
Amen. If you're saved, you got something to be happy about. Amen. No matter what else is going on. Amen, amen. All right, so let me ask you, and I'll get closer to being done. Where would you rather be when church is going on than church? I mean, where would you rather be? I mean, ask yourself. Examine yourself. Amen? That book says we know. We're talking about these things that he's written. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Uh, we know that we have passed from death unto Yeah. Because we love the brethren. Amen? So, and uh, the bottom line is, if you're saved, you got it. You got eternal life. These things have I written unto you that you may know you have eternal life. Now, there's not time to recap it, so I hope you got it. And I'm glad he wrote some things down, and I'm glad to be with some people that believe it as he wrote it, every jot and tittle. Uh, we don't correct it. We let it correct us. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this hour. I pray you bless all the followers in Jesus' name. Amen.